go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 677. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Before we get to today's show, um, first thing is Kathy has a book. It's called Zen Parenting, appropriately titled. And what's a subtitle thing called again? Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world, because uh, it is. It is. It's always unpredictable. Um, and if you can get it on Kindle, or you can buy it from whatever, wherever you buy books, or you can do the Audible uh, version. Yeah, the Audible does, does well. So check that out if you haven't already bought it. and then Or if you just, I was just saying to Todd that we have a lot of new listeners. So people who are new to the show um, may not know that we actually have books out there. Or I have a book out there. Todd, there Todd didn't write it. I did. And then, no, I did not write it. I read it, though. Did you read it? Which okay, is good. just as good, good as writing it's it. It's the same. Yeah. What's this? This is... TV breaking news. Breaking news. Sound. Oh, great. But it's not the one I was hoping for. I was hoping for the other, like, news flash break soundbite. Yeah, that kind of sounds like 70s breaking news. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I, uh, next week, I'll have a better soundbite. Yeah. Todd's for computer is failing us today. Um, but we have breaking news on the Team Zen News front today, Let's sweetie. hear it. What's the breaking news? Um, a new micro community has popped up out of nowhere. Oh. Um, for those of you who know what Team Zen is, um, it's a, sweetie, help me out. What is Team Zen? <laughs> okay. So everybody for years and years, we've had this virtual commu uh, community called Team Zen. Every month, twice a month, we have these conversations virtually with people on Team Zen. They ask questions. We offer resources. We have good laughs. We have good cries. We talk about how to stay connected, how to be with our kids. And we kind of been growing up together. You know what I mean? But people are welcome to not only welcome, we would like people to join us because not only do they get the two uh, conversations a month with us, but they also get a Facebook um, community that they can um, relate to and ask questions to and get good feedback from. We also have um, these people who, you know, thought leaders, authors who come and speak to Team Zen, and it's just for Team Zen. We don't put it on Zen Parenting Radio. Do you have any announcements? Oh, well, didn't we already announce? Oh, more. So this month, is it this month or is it October? Uh, it's October 28th, I think. So October 28th, our, our buddy, Dr. John Duffy, who we love very much, is going to come speak to Team Zen, answer all the Team Zen questions, talk about uh, teenagers, talk about dealing with an anxiety. And what I always love is he kind of gives people, because he's got such a a big caseload. He kind of gives people an idea of where things are with kids right now. We actually just had dinner with Duffy and his wife, Julie, a couple weeks ago. And he was kind of telling us how things have shifted and changed since COVID as far as the feedback he's getting from his, um, you know, the, the kids that he works with. So yeah. I just feel like it's great. It's a great opportunity. And Team Zen is... Um, also has a micro community of people who are going through separation or divorce. <laughs> more breaking news. This is more breaking news. Um, and so why that's kind of cool is we, it's like a community inside the community. So people are not only coming and talking with us and speaking with us during our virtual talks, but then they're, they're getting together with each other and relying on each other to support them through difficult moments like, you know, separation and divorce. So Anything else, Todd? Any more breaking news around Team Zen? Um, no, but you just said the um, the community within the community. Community within the community. Reminded me of that part in Swingers. The guy behind the guy. Now I'm going to find me two waitresses here, and I'm going to pull me a Fredo. Yeah, well, they're all pull skanks. Me what are you talking about? Look at all the beautiful babies here. The beautiful babies don't work midnights uh, to 6 on a, on a Wednesday. This is the skank shift. Look at all the beautiful honeys here. Excuse me. Excuse me, darling. I'm sorry. Wow. I want you to remember this face here, okay? This is the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Okay. okay. She, I just love her in that moment because she's like, okay. Yeah, but she comes back. Guy behind the guy 
behind the guy. Um, so we have a community behind the community behind the community. We do. Oh, and I have one more sound effect for you, sweetie. Oh, great. Is it more breaking news? Do you have any idea why I'm playing this? I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Why are we playing this? Um, because my Zen parenting moment last week, I used a quote from this song, a lyric. You did? Yes, I did. Because it, um, you can't always get what you want, honey. But if you try sometime. Do you think the Buddhists had the, this in mind? They did. They were like, let's, let's go with what Mick Jagger said. Let's go with that. The third noble truth, right? You can't always get what you want, sweetie. No, you cannot. Why did you write this blog on the third noble truth, and what does it talk about? Well, I'm actually having a really good time writing about the four noble truths because I've studied them for a long time, and I, you know, utilize the um, the wisdom that they are trying to impart. You know, I've always kind of think about the life of, you know, first noble truth, life is suffering, and second noble truth is about where our suffering comes from. And then the third noble truth is the fact that we can decrease our suffering or eliminate our suffering by not wanting. Yeah. That's a really big ask. Yeah, because I usually want some yummy pizza. Oh, sorry. Or I want my kids sorry. to just... Be healthy and happy. Well, there's a lot of wants. Think out about there. it this way: I think the wanting they're referring to is less about like I want pizza right now, and more about the expectations in our mind, and mm. that we believe that if we come up with something in our mind, then it should come, it it should become that. Mm. Like you know, someone's like, "Well, I'm gonna have a party. I'm gonna invite these people. I'm gonna wear this. These people are gonna show up. This music is gonna play." Um, Everyone's going to have a great time. It's not going to rain. And then if any of those things don't happen... It's a recipe for disaster. They're like, well, it was awful. And the thing is, is the ideas that we have in our mind are that. They're ideas and they're, they're concepts and they're possibilities. But the expectations that we have about life, that it should somehow show up in a way that we, the way we've envisioned it, this is, this is a false understanding. Yeah. We, we then, you know, I wrote this about the second noble truth of that. We then think that we are the entire puzzle rather than a piece of the puzzle. Right. And so this, the writing about the third noble truth last week, and this week I'll write about the fourth noble truth, which will be an interesting, because what I'm trying to do, if you, and, and again, this is just writer, people who are writers will understand this. I'm trying to simplify something very challenging. So it's like there's books written about each noble truth, right? So how do you explain what's really happening, what it is, and what's being asked? And again, I'm not saying I'm doing it perfectly because there are, you know, there's so many layers to each sure. one of these noble truths that there's no way I'm encapsulating it for everybody. But I, I'm trying to get the gist of like what, because these are, these, these are universal truths and principles that have been around forever. Yeah. We're not debating them. Yeah. Um, they are, this is how, this is why life can be difficult. And this is how we can decrease the difficulty. It's a playbook. Yeah. If you want to live life in a certain way, here's a playbook. There's a billion different playbooks out there. This is one of them that the Buddhists came up with, you know, generations ago. And I like that you said a playbook because you have to play with it. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of put it, you know, lay it over your circumstances and recognize how many different ways it can go and how you can open your mind to thinking differently about things and how, um, why do we believe that what we think is actually how things should be. Yeah. Like just that belief system is a very I focused. Yeah. Like I want this. Um, so, you know, so that quote from the Rolling Stones song is really just saying, you can't always get what you want, but get you can you get need. what you need. Well, in fact, that's actually not true. There's a lot of people out there that don't get what they need. Correct. But that's very, again, very literal. Yeah. This is why there's very, because absolutely, I agree with you. The idea of like taking yeah, Buddhist principles and people starving out there. Right. And then applying it to say, actually, you're fine. Yeah. That's, that's a misunderstanding. Yeah. What it is, it's about your thinking. It's about recog recognizing what you have. It's about noticing um, the beauty, even in the midst of pain. It's too, I don't want to be like, it's too intricate, but it's, it's not, it, People take things like like what you just said and they make it too literal. Mm -hmm. Well, don't tell me because I, I don't have what I need because I need this or that. And it's like, I know, like, I know that. But it's a more of a spiritual understanding. It's funny. I just started listening to um, The Good Life Project uh -huh. with Rabbi 
Rabbi Rami. Rabbi Rami Shapiro. And, and when you say you just started listening, are you just starting this, to listen to this, his podcast? Uh, no, but I just started listening to this episode. This episode, okay. And he talked about, they talked about oneness and uh-huh. duality and all that. And he said something interesting, and I don't know if I'll be able to give it justice, but he's like, the minute you even talk about how oneness is the way to go, that you're comparing it to the lack of oneness. Correct. So even the, the idea of like, oh, we're all one, even that is an exercise in duality. Well, and here's why we can get so lost in Twitter and in politics and in, you know, having conversations with people who just want to win a conversation or they just want to demonstrate that they have another contrarians or people who are cynical or people who are like, no, 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 you didn't, you didn't acknowledge this. Yes, you're saying this, but you didn't acknowledge this. You can play that game as much as you want, but do you see the bigger picture and how if you can apply this in it? And, you know, I'm, people are probably like you're speaking in such generalities that let's well, let's talk about something. Let's let's speak about something. Um, you are in. Let's talk about something that's not too daunting. You are outside and you're you don't have your keys and you're locked out Ooh, of your house. Right. Yeah. And it starts to rain. OK. And you are, that is annoying. You don't have what you need. You don't have your keys. You do, you do not have shelter. You are outside. So that's not great. But the moment is expansive. Like what, what, what is happening here? Do, do you have the ability to have humor? Mm-hmm. Do you have the ability to, um, to notice the beauty? Do you, you know, do you go for a run outside mm-hmm. then and just enjoy? Yeah. You are know? you treating the moment with a sense of curiosity and exploration or is it, uh, it has to be a certain way and this is not the way it's supposed to be, so I'm going to be miserable. Exactly. And then when we go into more painful aspects of life, like being with someone when they're sick or being with someone when they're dying, we've talked about this before on the show, that sometimes the greatest connective, deepest, most um, meaningful moments are in the most painful and difficult sure. moments. You yeah. know, that's where sometimes we recognize what joy actually is. That's where we recognize how in the midst of something that we would have never wanted, that there is a, a beauty that other people can't recognize. Right. So it is a, when people shut down arguments with, yeah, but I don't have what I need, there is, it's like such a top layer of thinking. Sure. And I don't mean that in a positive way. Right. I mean, it's like this basic layer of like, I either have what I want or I don't. And there's all sorts of places where we can expand our mind and, and see what am I getting? What am I learning? What, where am I? Who can I ask for help? It, It doesn't always have to be just about you and your mind. It's like, how do I, how do I learn more? How do I, you know, find a sense of graciousness or compassion for myself? Like sometimes it's, how do I, am I learning more compassion for others? You know, there's, Todd, life is layered. You know what I mean? Wrote a song about it? Like the head? Here go. Free your mind. It's a good lesson of the day. It is. Now this in Vogue wrote this song or sing this song. They sing this song and this is about racism. Oh, it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget in Vogue. Is that the one Beyonce's in? No, sweetie. That's oh. Destiny's Child. Oh. Yes, but you know. I'm a little not so informed when it comes to in vogue. Exactly. But And what about Rihanna? Yeah, she's gonna be headlining the Super Bowl. I want a Taylor Swift, sweetie. I know, but I think Rihanna's gonna be amazing. Well, and I don't think Taylor Swift is really this I mean, Super Bowl's for everybody, but uh, I think Taylor Swift audience um moves towards the younger and Rihanna's maybe all ages or no? Well, I don't know. I think that, so the reason Todd's saying this is there was a rumor that Taylor Swift is going to be the Super Bowl halftime show. And then literally the next day, Rihanna said that she was, yeah. which I was, I'm very excited about it. Um, she hasn't been around much lately. Well, and that's the thing is she's been doing different things in her life. She had a baby, you know, she's, you know, she's growing up, yeah. you know, she's having adult experiences, but it'll be really cool because I think you'll be surprised how many Rihanna songs, you know, I think her catalog is more extensive than people recognize. And obviously, I mean, because she's headlining the show, does she have a new album coming out? People may know more about this than I do. Um, you know, what's, what's, what will she be promoting? Or is it just kind of a walk down memory lane? Who knows? You know, my favorite Rihanna song? Yes, I do. Yeah. 
know. You always said Take a Bow was your favorite song. That's good, too. But this is... And she probably won't sing this because Eminem was there last year. Maybe Eminem will go two for two. Nah, I don't think so. Oh, what's the one I like? The bow? The vow? Take a bow. Take a bow. Yeah, that's good, too. And then Umbrella. I don't know that one. You know Umbrella. No, I don't. Oh, sweetie. Play Umbrella. Remember, we were just showing it to you the other day because Tom Holland. Oh, remember this? Yeah. But Umbrella is the uh, that Tom Holland thing. Right. Yeah, that's good stuff. And actually, it's a, just to give like proper credit, it's a Rihanna song. Yeah. Tom Holland happened to do a lip sync to it where he, Tom Holland, I don't know if people know this, but he's a gymnast and he's pretty amazing. Just an overall stud. And he did a lip sync battle, ironically, against Zendaya before they were dating. Mm-hmm. And he did he Umbrella won. and it was freaking amazing. Yeah, I guess I know more Rihanna than I thought. And so I'm going to say this to everybody. Most people listening, I think, will have already seen the Tom Holland lip sync thing. But if you haven't, Go treat yourself. Treat yourself. Because it is very fun. And then tell your kids that you saw it and they'll say, Mom or Dad, that came out years ago. But then you'll say, wasn't that cool? Mm-hmm. And then you'll say, do you want to watch it together? And then they'll say, no, yeah. we've already seen it. Yeah. But then you're like, if you ever have another video like this, show it to me. Do See, you ever find connection. yourself getting annoyed at people who are just like too talented? Yes. Like Tom Holland, like good looking dude. Actor. Uh, actor, really good actor. He's just, a gymnast, j- dancer. Really likable. Mm-hmm. Just like nice guy. nice guy. And then he could like, dance and i'm like all and right. his girlfriend zendaya are they still dating yeah oh wow look at them it's like a super couple yeah you know it's weird superman movies tended to create partnerships so like like emma stone and andrew garfield dated for a while oh, and wow. i think kirsten dunst and toby mcguire did you dated say for a while. superman movies did i say superman yeah spider-man sorry everybody yeah. sorry marvel universe yes. everybody calm down everybody chill everybody out. hold on Kathy's brain. Um, but yes, Spider-Man. So it created couples. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, so I have one quick take. Okay, go ahead. Um, my quick take is, this is parenting invitation. Be ready Okay. when your kid is ready to connect. And what I mean by that is I sometimes have this idea, this is something I've said on the show for 11 years, but it's it bears repeating. Do, do you know we're almost at 12 years? <coughs> Yeah, we're almost at 12 years. I know. That's In crazy. like two months, it'll be 12 years. So I have these kids, and these kids are really busy and crazy and always going in 85 different directions, and they like their bedroom so they can kind of like decompress from a school day, and there's times when I like walk in to want to connect, and they have no interest in connecting because they've been in... What, what is school? For me, school is eight meetings in a row that you don't want to be in. Right. School is exhausting. So I give them the space to decompress and just like veg out on their phone or do their homework or whatever. So my one kid uh, called me the other night saying, can you come pick me up? And she has a car, but she didn't have a car with her. So I went and picked her up. And she was like in this really open, connecting good place, mood. Yeah. good mood. And I was like tired for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But I realized like, oh, this is my chance. Like I, this is the time where I can connect with this kid and it was just really lovely. So the moral of the story is most of the time, the kids do not want to connect when you're ready. So as parents, we got to be ready when they're willing. Well, let me add a little bit to that because I, I, (laughs) so Todd has his scheduled life and then he like mentally and, and tell me if I'm wrong. I don't like talking about you without you agreeing with what I'm saying. I will defend myself. Okay, defend yourself if necessary. So he schedules his life and he does the things he does. And then he comes home and he has a box in his mind that's like, now it's family time. Yeah. But that's, again, talk about the third noble truth. You want it to be that way when, like, for example, yesterday, Todd went to the Bears game. Bears. And um, we and... Uh, Skyler and Cameron and I were together all day because we went shopping. Skyler's birthdays today. Happy birthday to Skyler. Um, and we went out to lunch and we just had like a great day. 
then we came home and then it was time for, then I was like, I was cleaning the kitchen and they were ready to go do their own thing. And then you came home and you're like, okay, everybody. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. And, and that is Somebody your schedule. Somebody come play with me. Right. And, it, and it's really cute because you do want to play and you, you do come home and you don't like then go isolate. You want to be with people, but it's not always on. And, and I'm using Todd as an example. It's not, I'm not trying to teach him a lesson. I'm trying to say, can anybody see themselves in this where you come home and you're like, now I'm ready. And everybody else has already done that. Mm -hmm. Like, so we can't always assume that because we are ready to have a big conversation, someone else isn't, or that if we want to play, you know, they want to play like sometimes it just, I will reinforce what you just said is sometimes moments are really kind of magical where you're both capable, you're both ready to have a good conversation or laugh together and enjoy that mm -hmm. because it's not always. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason I bring it up is because I am the parent, I feel like I need to make myself, I mean, don't not make, but I have to be opportunistic. Whereas I feel like that's my job as the dad sure. is to be opportunistic when they're ready, as opposed to I'm the dad, so you'll be ready when I'm ready. And that's just not the way it works. And I think, you know, this, and I will just speak about you and I, because I know not everybody has this setup that you and I do and nor should everybody. But I think there's times when you are kind of like, you know, well, why don't you go do this or go away for three days or why don't you leave right now and then come home later? And, and I, I kind of know because I've been with my kids every, you know, most days of their lives that there are times I need to be here, mm -hmm. you know, when they get home from school in the morning before they leave, um, oh, you know, often awake when they get home or yeah. at least available yeah. if they need to talk. And so sometimes this like, just go do whatever you want to do thing doesn't really apply. It doesn't mean I have to be on call 24 seven. I'm not saying I'm a martyr to them, but there's like some things that I know will create a continuing connection, yeah. which is even if when I'm home, when they come home from, from school, cause not everybody can do that. It's not as if we have some big deep talk all the time. I'm just kind of there. Yeah. There is, you know, like you say, sometimes when I'm not here that they'll come home and say, where's mom? I don't think it's because they have some big thing to tell me all the time. I just think they're used to my presence. Do you know what I mean? Of course. And so there's kind of like a, a feeling of comfort and connectiveness. And, and if they need something, I'm there. And it can't always be that way. Sometimes I have to work, travel, whatever. Right. You know, it's not about that I can't ever do that. But I think that's something you and I have talked about is you, you've encouraged me in a good way to be more fluid about my schedule, but I kind of, I'm always trying to explain to you. It's not, it's not that simple. It is if I wanted it to be, but I also then miss the aspect of that connection sure. that the girls have come to depend on. Yeah. Because right now I have a daughter in college that, um, she's coming home in another week, which is wonderful. But she, you know, now uh, most of our communication is through texts and FaceTime because she mm -hmm. lives in Michigan. She doesn't live here. Um, and then I have a daughter who's a senior and then I have a daughter who's a freshman. So these times are going to not be here uh, very soon. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's not as if I'm, so for those of you who have little, little kids who hear this and you're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I have to be there all the time for this or that. It's for me where I am, this is fleeting. Yeah. So it's it's important to me to be here for these times because these kids grow up. They grow up and they leave. They leave us, Todd. So that's what I got. What do you have? So I wanted to talk about genuine gratitude. Um, and I kind of think it kind of goes with everything that we're already speaking about, which is um, you know, noticing, um, it goes with the noble truths, you know, about expectations and wanting and needing. Because I, I always like to share my own experiences because I assume if I'm having this experience, maybe other people are too. Um, I, my students, my social work students, one of the things I have them do every semester is keep a gratitude journal. And majority of them do it, but a lot of people, it, they're like, ugh. You know, they think it's annoying. They yeah. think it's cheesy, you know, and I give them all the research up front about why gratitude journaling actually actually makes a difference. And I always say, I'm not giving you busy work just yeah. for the heck of it. There's, there's like a there's reason. There's meaning behind it. Right. There's like neurobiological things that occur when you practice gratitude. Um, yeah. If you want to be more content in your life, this is one of the things that will 
scientifically say that you're more likely to be more content if you do this one thing. Right. And it's literally just one piece of a big puzzle. Like it's not the only thing. It's not going to solve all the problems. It's not going to get rid of depression. It's just going to make, so what I will explain what the research, I'll, I'll narrow down what the research talks about is that the way that we're hardwired is we notice threats. So the way that our brain works is we're really noticing all the time what's not working or what feels threatening. Yeah. Because that's how we stay alive. You know, it's it's evolutionary. It's it's you know we've evolved to be this way. Um, we don't need to shame ourselves for it. It's just the way our brains work. But that doesn't mean it's the only way our brains can work. Sure. What that means, what we do when we are doing gratitude journaling or gratitude, and I want to talk more about different aspects of gratitude, is we are actually then training our brain to also notice what's working. Yeah. So we're giving a counterbalance to that constant feeling of threat. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have, when people are like, oh, I just feel like I see all the negative. Yeah. That's part of how we stay alive. We don't need to necessarily stop that, nor can we. And you don't want to because that's why we run we away like staying from things. Alive. We like staying alive. It's good for us. But there's also this aspect of you can also train your brain to notice what's working. And we tend to be like the the feedback I often get from my students over the years is, well, I don't want to say that because it's not true. And it's like, well, what do you mean that's not true? You know, like they'll write down, you know, it's a beautiful morning. Well, it's not a beautiful morning because I'm worried about this or I'm worried about this. So it's a lie that it's a beautiful morning. And it's like slicing all these things into pieces because you can wake up worried or even challenged or even have a pretty big issue or a health crisis or a concern and still notice it's a beautiful morning. Right. It's not one or the other. It's not one or the other. And these are kind of going back to what we were talking about before about these layers of understanding when we're talking about noble truths is is there's a very surfacey layer of things are either good or bad, binary, right? Or there's like a lot of nuance and a lot of gray and a lot of availability to recognize that there are beautiful things happening all the time. Our brains literally, and our eyeballs, literally can't take in everything that's happening. I don't know what the stat is anymore. I used to have these things like off the top of my head, but you can only take in so many things at one time. Our brain ignores most information to keep us alive. Otherwise, we would really be challenged. Correct. Like right now, I'm sitting across from Todd in a studio, and we have these lights on us, and I can kind of hear a buzzing in my ear, and I'm looking at him. And so I'm just focusing here. But there's other things going on in this room. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other lights. There's spiders probably in the corner, except I cleaned out a lot of that. Remember we used to um, uh, record at the library? Oh, my God. Good old days. Totally. We recorded. That was like literally good old days. That was like a decade ago. Yeah. That was the first year. Yeah, we would rent a room in the library and, and bring just, our microphone yep. and share the microphone. Back in the old days. How annoying that yeah. must have been. Yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was fun. It was fun, but I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I'm glad we can sit across from each other. Okay, so my point is, is there's other things going on. There's things going on upstairs, whatever. But so we are trained to focus on what's in front of us or hear like what's most uh, common or what's loudest. But we can also pay attention to other things. We can practice paying attention to other things, things that soothe us, things that bring us joy, things that are beautiful. And it can be, it, it, it's not like it's going to change everything. It just gives you, this is what it means to open your mind mm-hmm. and have a broader perspective. Do you recognize that? Do you at least see it? And, and please, parents... Do not start telling your kids to do this until you practice it. Mm. Don't start saying things to your kids like, well, you're not noticing it's a beautiful day or noticing this. When you start practicing it yourself, you can start sharing with them your experience, which them teaches them to notice what they're grateful for. But don't take this information and then impose it on your kids without integrating it into yourself yeah, first. Yeah, don't be too quick to teach. Yeah, because... Which is one of my biggest challenges because when I'm reading a book, I'm always like, oh, this person really needs to hear this. Oh, and yeah. Instead of me 
being, wow, I really need to practice this. And I feel like when we're reading a book and we think about someone else the whole time, if it be our partner needs to read this or my best friend needs to read this or my kid needs to read this, it's a defense mechanism in us. Of course. We're like trying not to notice what we maybe need to get from it. And we look at why someone else needs to grow. It's easier to project that stuff outside. Exactly. So I'm saying that only because I do this with my social work students. I'm like, do not, all these things you're learning in this class, do not start telling your roommates or your partner or your family members about all these things you're learning until you're practicing it. And you definitely, as a social worker, as a therapist, or as a clinician, you don't want to give your clients a bunch of advice that you aren't utilizing. Because if you're not utilizing it, I feel like you don't have all the information available to you. Um, and, and again, we can't have the, every experience our clients have, I'm not saying that's the only way I'm talking about things like tools, Mm -hmm. like practicing gratitude. Like if the reason why, when my students come to me and they say this whole gratitude thing is kind of annoying, I can relate because I know I've had the experience practicing gratitude too, where I'm like, I understand why it feels that way. So I'm not teaching from a book. I'm teaching from, I've also integrated this and here's the things that I've you know recognized. The thing is, is it's like, I was thinking this morning, Todd, about, um, I, I actually miss, I, I thought that the idea of smiling from your liver came from Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm. but it actually came from Eat, Pray, Love. Oh. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I've been gratitude journaling forever, but in the morning I do like two or three things I'm I'm grateful for, sometimes many more. And I get annoyed. I think the next thing is like, you know, things you can do to practice more gratitude. And I, and I always want to say something like smile, but smiling now has like this connotation of like, I kind of feel like I'm performing for mm-hmm. people or that I'm doing it. So on the outside, I look Well, I remember like TikTok. Yeah. Cause if you tell me to start smiling, it's going to look really fake. There's actually a horror movie out right now called yeah, Smile, smile where that. they look scary. But TikTok, I, I don't know if it was Pieces Every Step or one of his books, but he's like a half smile. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. What's a half smile? And it's like... A Mona Lisa smile. Yeah, it's it's because I think my resting face is closer to a frown than a smile because yeah. the muscles in our face need to flex when yeah. we smile. Yeah. It's just easier to, to appear to have a frown. So when Thich Nhat taught, um, mentioned the idea of a half smile, which is like, you know, just lean into it a little bit, um, that's much easier for me to grasp than, you know, just smile. It's just smiling... For the sake of smiling seems really inauthentic and I don't understand it. Well, and I think with women, there's also a negative connotation because often women are told to smile. Yeah. Like women, it's like, wait, perform for us, women. Yes. Look happy, look yeah. joyful because we don't want any women who have, you know, a, I don't like to say the, the B word, but a, a resting RBA, beef yeah, face, RBA. you know, we want to... You know, we want our women smiling and happy. Um, it, people literally scream at women on the street and say, smile. Yeah. So I don't like that concept. So I was thinking about smiling from your liver where yeah. you're smiling internally. It's for you. It's it's compassion. It's love. It's joy. It's all those things. And then that can radiate to all the other aspects of you. But it's funny because I thought it was Thich Nhat Hanh, but it was actually Katut. I'm totally on board with all of these ideas and concepts, but because I'm the logical and practical one, yeah. you're like, okay, smile from your liver. I'm like, okay, I don't even know where my liver is. I don't know how to get it to smell. And I know you're like, no, no, that's not what it means. That's a, no, it's a good question. Like, I like, I need the, you. How in God's good, how, how am I going to smile from my liver? Right. So that's why I want to have this conversation because I think it's just an interesting practice of noticing and having gratitude. Like, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question, but just so I can lay this out so people understand what sure. I'm talking about. So genuine gratitude, it starts with noticing. So it's that practice of journaling. And, and for people who don't want to journal, you put it in your notes section of your phone. You say it out loud to your partner at night. You say it to your cat in the morning. You don't have to journal. You, there are other ways to notice saying things that you're grateful for. It's beautiful outside. Just saying it out, out loud, mm-hmm. you know, drawing pictures. Um Noticing the next, the next phase of genuine gratitude is savoring something that you're grateful for. So if you're having a moment in your day and you're like, oh, I'm enjoying this or that made me laugh or I needed that laugh or, oh, wow, I found a a quarter on the street or, oh my gosh, that person just held the door open for me. Just really basic stuff is having a moment where you not just notice it, but you breathe it in for a second. What does it mean to breathe it in? 
take a moment to, you know, have a recognition of what just happened. You're noticing in the wild is what I call it because Mm. gratitude journaling can feel more like a school activity. Noticing in the wild is the practice of taking what you're doing in the morning with gratitude journaling and then applying it in your day. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like it. And then the last one is expressing it. So the more gratitude that you practice through noticing and savoring, the more you have to express for other people. I think that that's where you start to recognize how important it is to tell people thank you and yeah. and not just in a thanks, but like sending a text of thank you for this or, you know, sending someone, I, you know, like my, uh, one of my girlfriends from college just sent me a handwritten thank you note mm. yesterday. And I don't get those much anymore. No. You know what I mean? And it was really lovely. And I don't even send them. So I'm not I'm not scolding myself, but it was a really lovely thing to receive. And I tend to send texts for gratitude. Do you do that, Todd? No. uh, Yeah. I don't write stuff down. And I know if I did and I gave gratitude through the written word, it would be much more impactful. I'm just too damn lazy to do it. So I'll send a quick text. Well, and I think that that is effective though as well. Like I I don't want to start like putting these in order of this is better because then people start to feel like they're not doing it well enough. I'll do that for you, sweetie. Writing a note is better. (laughs) Well, it was just really nice and it was special. Um, I like it. Notice, savor, and express. And this is like a muscle that needs to be flexed. Yes. And it's um, in the beginning, it'll probably feel awkward in the same way. Like if you never have run and you start running, you're probably going to be a little awkward and a little slow and you got to let your body kind of warm up to the idea. So I think it's all good. And I think for those of you who like, are like, oh, it fit, like I, just that sound I'm making it, you, everybody knows what I mean by it. Like yeah. where you're kind of like annoyed, this is cheesy, this is dumb. That's going to be the natural, that's what happens. Yeah. You are going against your ego in a way you're, you're trying to you know, broaden your thinking. Your ego wants to make fun of it, minimize it, saying this is a waste of time. There are aspects of yourself that is, that are fine with being cynical, that they're just fine because they're like, this is how we run the ship. We don't want to open up to other ideas, you know? And so just if you expect that reaction and, and watch what your mind does when Mm. you notice something beautiful, you'll be like, and what is beautiful to you is like Todd and I, Todd and I are going nuts in in our house because we put a lot of bird feed. Or we- I was at the hardware store and they <laughs> they have bird feed, but they also have like squirrel feed. So I bought a bag of that stuff and just throw it on the front lawn in the morning. And there's a party going on on our front there lawn. There is a freaking party on our lawn. There are so many birds. There are so many squirrels. There's rabbits. And Todd and I just have a ball. Like we're just watching them. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? What? I'm going to throw an avocado out there. Oh, they love avocados. And just see what those squirrels do with it. Because whenever I, we always, sometimes they'll go into our trash and grab and just clear out an avocado. And Literally. Then, and discard the skin yeah. on our driveway. Yeah. So I can only imagine what a fresh avocado will do. I, I wonder if, they'll, if they're going to fight over it or if it's first come, first serve. How are they going to get the pit out? They'll, they can, oh, their hands. They can um, bite through a trash can. I'm sure they'll figure out how to Good point. eat the avocado. GP. Okay, so that is a great idea. And that's a nice little thing. And so Todd and I like have fun doing that. Like I work outside, it's getting colder, so it's gonna be harder for me to do. But I love watching all these animals everywhere. For, but for someone else, that might not be beautiful. Right. Maybe what's beautiful to them is like a really cleared, nobody around, yeah. you know, no wildlife. Open space. Open space. And so you don't, you you get to choose your own beauty. Do you see what I mean, everybody? Yeah. Like but You got to also be intentional on what is it that makes you light up. Exactly. And, and you, some of the times we don't even know what makes us light up. And you don't have to decide right now. Just notice when you see something that is interesting to you, like, oh, this is really cool, or I love to see stray cats, or I love to see, um, not the musical group, sweetie, but actual stray cats. We used to see a lot more feral cats. The coyotes get them. Oh, is that what happened? I don't know. I'm just making something sad. Or, you know, going for a walk and seeing, you know, a bunch of dogs. See, there they are. There's the stray cats. Different version. They're strutting. Who's singing? The Stray Cat. I know. What's the guy's name? Oh, I don't know. Do you know the lead singer of the Stray Cats? Duh. What's his name? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. But we gotta listen to his words. Hold Sweetie, on. try and he doesn't care. I right by with my tail in the air. 
Ladies guy. So we were playing this game before because when we went to Rock the Block in Elmhurst yeah. about bands that have a song that is the same name as the band. Yeah. Because And we didn't know we didn't notice we didn't say that one. We didn't say that one, but the song Big Country came mm -hmm. on. It's an eighties song by the band Big Country, and Todd didn't know that song, no. that Big Country song. No, I, I was sick that day. What do you mean you were sick that day? I was sick the day that they, that, that was a big uh, hit. Honey, it's on 80s radio stations all the time. Yeah, Big Country. Never heard it. Still haven't heard it? Like, you listening right now, you've never heard it this does song. doesn't even ring a bell. Sounds a little punky-ish. Do you remember when you thought Boingo Boingo was punk? Oh, they are, sweetie. Um, are there any other bands that you can think of that have a song named after them? Um, uh, there's a bunch, but I... Okay, well, why don't you look it up while right, I'm... I'll because I'm sure it's probably fun to come up with. So my point is, is that your brain will tell you it's dumb and just be ready for that. It's the same thing with meditation, everybody. Like when you start to meditate or before you go meditate, if you want to take two or three minutes in quiet or five minutes or 10 minutes, parts of your brain will be like, this is dumb. We don't need to do this. What a waste of time. Just expect that. Instead of trying to wait until that stops, just that's part of the game. You're, you're dealing with a brain that has a lot of different things it wants to do. And so you just have to make, this is where our observational self or our true self or whatever we want to, whatever word we want to use, where we have to recognize what's best for us in that moment. You know, it's kind of like sometimes my children will be running around like so fast or they can't stand there and talk to us. I'm like, do you have to go to the bathroom? And they'll be like, yeah, but I, I'm going to run upstairs first. I'm like, no, no. Go to the bathroom first. Do you know what I mean? First things you, first. Like, why do we like try and do 80 things before we take care of our body in like the most basic way? I don't know. It, it's because our brain is like, I want to focus on something else right now. And we just have to start for ourselves creating an order that means something to us. You know, like I, in the morning, sometimes I want to get on my computer right away and I'm like, but I have to do this first and this first. And they bring me joy. I'm not like causing suffering for myself. They, I know that the end result of these choices are good ones, you know? So what'd you find? Well, first of all, um, bad company. <gasps> Perfect. I love bad company. Todd doesn't like bad company. That was such a big part of high school for me. Does Madonna have a song called Bitch, I'm Madonna? Yeah. Okay, there you go. And I, Britney Spears probably has... Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. There you go. Um, apparently, Corn has a song called Children of the Corn. There you go. With a K backwards? Uh, no. It's a K, but it's not backwards. Wow. Um, there's a bunch that I've never heard here. I'm just trying to see if there's... Green Day has a song called Green Day? I think The Bad Company is the best one. Um, what about Vanilla Ice? Ice Ice, ice, baby. ice baby. There you go. And there's Big Country, Iron Maiden. Okay. Iron uh, Maiden has a song called Iron Maiden. Apparently. Great. Um, Queen has a song called Killer Queen. Right, right. That's uh, a great song too. Uh, Chainsmokers. No, that's wrong. No, no. Willie Nelson has a song called Shotgun Willie. There you go. And I'm sure there's more, but that's it. Um, yeah, those aren't as literal. How about The Who? Who are you? Well, yeah, but it's not like The Who has a song called The Who. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Ooh. a little bit of a, a derivative. Truth, yeah. Is that a word, derivative? It is a word. Okay. So it's kind of, they're playing with the idea, but just kind of like Stray Cat Strut is yeah. not exactly it. But Big Country, Big Country, Bad Company, Bad Company. Um, those Technically, are... Big Country, the name of the song is something else. It's like in Big Country. Oh, something. in a Big Country? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so then my everything's falling apart. Bad so Bad Company, company wins. Bad Company, that's right. <laughs> bad Company wins. And I love Bad Company. And every time, sometimes Todd and I will go on a road trip or something, and he lets me listen to all my like old classic rock. And some of it he likes. But Most then, of it nuts. But Bad Company will come on, and he'll be like, I can't, I can't do it. Is Bad Company where... Uh, Johnny was a school yeah, boy. Yeah, shooting star. That's a good song. I like that. Yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of good ones. So, um, 
so that's gratitude. Any closing thoughts? So let's go back to smile with your liver because you asked yeah. that question. So what does that mean? It's a, for me, like what was Katut trying to tell Liz Gilbert and eat, pray, love? I think he was trying to say smile from deep down inside. Mm. Smile internally. Um, let let it come from the inside From the inside out. out. This is not an expression of showing. <laughs> if I just me. plaster a f- smile on my face, right. not probably the best thing. Correct. And so I, for me, instead of having to focus on now other people will think I look happy or I want to appear happy or I want to not get frown lines or any of these dumb things we focus on, smiling from your liver is to me a way of lighting yourself up inside, um, focusing like on an area and, you know, move to your, you know, to your heart or move to another organ. What's another organ? Your gallbladder, if you still have it and be like, I want to smile from there. Like I want to, because then what happens? I, when I do that, like in a meditation, I see light, right? It gets lit up. So that lights up everything around it. Because if you're in a dark room and you, you know, and you like have a lighter, everything lights up, That's right. right? So it's like, you know, you light yourself up from the inside and you see how that goes. I know some people listening will be like, again, they're going to say, that's dumb. Well, that's fine. Just if in your own time, in your own way, practice something that makes you feel good. I think, you know, my closing thoughts are that life is difficult and it can be. And, and, you know, first noble truth is life is suffering. And I hear all that and I see it. I know what's going on in the world. I see the news. I understand climate change, all that kind of thing. But we are here, right? Might as well have a little gratitude while you're here. I think, I mean, like we have so many problems to solve, but we can't solve them from a place of depletion. We can't be leaders in our family or role models in our family if we're completely depleted all the time. So this whole idea of martyring yourself out or being like, what's the point? Well, well, what are you doing? I'm going to re-quote. Tony Robbins, okay. and he may not have come up with it, but I heard it him from him the first time, is what's wrong is always available. Sure. And, and so is what's right. And that is, you know, going back to that's what gratitude journaling or noticing or um, savoring or expressing is all about, is it doesn't take away the truth of the moment, the reality of pain or, or struggle. It doesn't, it's not about removing it. It's about placing something else in there to bolster it, to, to help with it. And to bring it back to parenting, like, um, it's so easy to find out, to, to figure out what's wrong with our kids. Oh, they're on their screen too much. Oh, they don't talk to me. Oh, they are fussy eaters, whatever it is. There's also a million other things your kids are doing. That are pretty amazing. That are pretty amazing. They have a great, like I was saying to, um, Skylar this morning, uh, Cameron, has this, she has a few things that are just very her that when she goes away next year, I'm going to miss so much. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that when she's watching a show in her room, she laughs so hard that we can all hear it. Belly laughs from her room by herself. So it's not like a, a lot of us laugh socially. It's like part of the community uh, process. Yeah. Like when you go, it's just, I think we're wired that way, but this kid is belly laughing by herself. Yeah. And it's a really sweet sound. And we can hear it all over the house. Yeah. The other thing is, is she's so loud when she comes down the stairs, which is just a funny she's thing. She's a stomper. She's just, and then the other thing is when she pulls up in her car, her music is blaring. Yeah. So it's like a, it's almost like a, a sitcom or something. Like when she pulls up, we know it's her yes. and her music. And these are things that, you know, we could, we could go negative and be like, don't do this or don't yeah. do that. I think it's great. Yeah. Like I love these things and, and these have nothing to Sweetie, do. I'm going to challenge you. Oh, okay. Uh Oh, so we're talking about our middle daughter, Cameron, who listens to loud music and yes. stomps down the stairs. Yes. All great. The other, a few weeks ago. Yeah. She was slamming doors <laughs> at like 1145 at night. That's an extreme a, word. On a school night. Slamming? She no, you're right. She was closing, she was closing doors, doors really loudly. So like it wasn't like an expression of anger no, or no, anything. No. Like it's literally how she closes yeah. doors. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, Cameron, it's eleven forty five. It's a school night. Can you just like close it a little bit more gently? <laughs> So some of it I love, some of it I love not so much. Well, there's moments, everything is a continuum, yeah. right? She's very, part of her personality is she's very determined with things. She's very confident and solid. And that can, 
you know, that can make a sound when you're walking down the stairs and that can, you know, that can determine how you're going to close a door. Um, so everything has that, but it's just, and that's the thing is, you know, everybody, I'll take it off my kid for a second. Just think about your kid or your kids and like, what are the things that are just really unique to them? And it's not about having other people recognize it. I'm not talking about they've won awards or they're great at this or they're such an athlete. That's all like external stuff. I'm talking about who they are and the parts of them that make them where you smile, yeah. where you're like, wow, that that's like so my kid. Yeah. Like I, when I think about, we talked about this on a show a while ago with all three of the kids that they each have a feel for me. They each have an energy. And so something feels like JC. This feels like Skylar. This feels like Cameron. Like, and, and that's just not my kids. You too. Sure. Like you have a feel, you know, like. And what are those things? And do you tap into them and do you notice them? And do you tell your kids that you love these things yeah. about them? Like I love certain things about my kids that are really quirky and and the outside world may not even see. Yeah. Um, but it's what makes them them. And it's what makes you you, Todd. You you um you wear the same shirts in the winter over and over again, but you wash them. But he loves his Orvis shirts, and he Sometimes just. Sometimes I wash them, sweetie. Let's be honest. And he, you like a good uniform. Here's the deal with laundry. You okay. Ready? Yeah. Let's hear it. The thing that most needs to be washed is underwear. Yes. Thank you. Step goodness. number one. Yes. Um, t-shirts might be second. Yeah. Tied with socks. Yeah, socks for sure. I think socks and underwear are kind of in the same no, category. No, no, no. I, I reuse socks. It's fine. Do you really? Why? You have like it a thousand depends. pairs of socks. Um, third is like jeans. Okay. I would put jeans and sweatshirts in the same, and I don't even know what fourth is, but that's, that's the hierarchy that I have. Well, like people don't wash hats that much. I've never washed a hat. Oh, I, I have. I wash our winter hats. Oh, like winter Yeah, because you're wearing them all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I was thinking of baseball hats. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, underwear first and then t-shirts. Socks. Socks. And jeans. then jeans and sweatshirts. The sweatshirts basically never have to be washed. But they do nah, because you sometimes like wipe things on sweatshirts. No. Uh, yeah. And jeans, whatever. Jeans are, jeans is like once every few months. Oh me. my God. It's fine. I'm trying to, what other item of clothing is there? I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, for women, there's a lot. There's bras, bras. sometimes and there's, um, well, maybe that's the only other thing. <laughs> <laughs> But we have to be more thoughtful because they get like last night you put my stuff in the dryer, which was really nice. Yeah. But it had a bunch of bras in there, and I had to run upstairs and oh, no. get them out because you I don't want to dry them or Got else it. they shrink. I hung up a bra this morning from the washing machine, so I missed Good the one from last night. But uh, this morning I, I noticed it. Yeah, isn't it? Doesn't it suck, everybody, when someone's trying to do something nice for you and then they they, they kind of do it wrong, and yeah. you have to say stop doing uh, it wrong. Yeah, we just have to be very. I didn't even tell you. I just ran up there and because everything else could could have been dried. Yeah, I just didn't want to dry that. Okay, so sorry. Going on with our laundry. So that's it, Todd. So genuine last but gratitude. Not least, uh, Men Living. I'm the executive director of this amazing organization. We're an international not for profit, and all we do is create spaces for men to be authentic, honest, vulnerable. It's a wonderful community. Um, we connect deeply. We live fully. Menliving.org. Just sign up for the newsletter. And then uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800. If you have any home projects coming out, coming up, uh, reach out to Jeremy and tell him that uh, we sent you. And I think that's about it. Anything else, Anything else, my darling? I think that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. And um, we will see you again soon. And join Team Zen. Um, it's in the show notes. Just scroll down. And uh, I think that's it. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.